Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Cleveland, and I'm here with my brother, Eric Hurt. Eric, thank you so much for coming today. I'm so excited to study this uh, Lesson 6 with you today. Yeah, Mike, thank you uh, as well. Uh, it's just so such a joy to be able to talk about the cross and and to share it with others. And uh, so that's why we really enjoy doing these podcasts. Yeah. And today we get to talk about your lesson six of your book, The Gospel for the Church. This is a book that I just can't recommend highly enough because of the power in it. And I hope by the end of our uh, podcast today and next week, that people will run over to Amazon and type in The Gospel for the Church by Eric Hurt. Uh, you won't believe the amount of good news packed into a, a small, inexpensive book and get one for your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your, your pastor, your elders, uh, The Gospel for the Church. Uh, Eric, when it comes to um, thinking about what has been taught in the past about what it means to be a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, so many things come to my mind, such as praying some sinner's prayer, you know, or, or living a good life, uh, or maybe dedicate your life to God, surrender, surrender your all, caring for the poor, uh, having proper doctrine, the tulip is so important, uh, or homeschooling, dressing moder- modestly, having lots of children, all all of these things are promoted as Christianity, is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And one thing I appreciate so much about your book is that it takes us to the heart of Christianity, of what it really means to be a disciple and a follower of Christ. And so why are all those things that I just mentioned, why do they not get to the center of Christianity? Yeah, thanks, Mike. You know, I, I really appreciate what did you what you said, and <clears throat> and the reason is is because all those things are are the things that we must do instead of looking at what God has already done. Uh, you know, doing those things, brother, or um, you know, trying hard, or you know, studying every morning and praying, um, you know, five times a day or whatever it might be. It is something that we are trying to attain when God has already done it. He's already finished it at the cross. And, and there's something to be experienced here. There, there is an old life to be put to death and buried and a new life to be raised. And we experience Christianity. We don't raise our hand and say, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, start believing this religion because it sounds good, or, um, you know, I believe this one over another. I mean, that's all well and good, but the point of Christianity is to die with Christ, that Jesus buried all your sins. He took upon all his sins for you, 
He was cut to pieces for you. He was pierced for you. He's demonstrating his love to you. And he's reaching out to, to embrace you and drawing him or drawing you and I and all people who believe near by his blood. It's so different uh, than walking an aisle or raising a hand or making a commitment, you know, a New Year's resolution, so to speak. Um, again, there's, there's no power in those things. The power is at the cross. The power is through Jesus's death and his third day resurrection from the dead and placing our faith in that message alone, Mike, is where we experience life, is where we experience freedom from sin, slavery, and there is nothing like it. Uh, there is no one else who has ever died and risen from the dead. And we have this hope now for today. It's not a message, to, uh, a, a one-time message. It's a message for today, brother. And it's a message for tomorrow. It's a message that saves. It's a message that sanctifies. And it's a message of transformation. Um, and, you know, so there's just power, brother, in the blood of Christ. That is so well said. It's the difference between me needing to do all these things and looking at what Jesus did for me. Um, when you tell someone, you need to surrender, surrender your all. Uh, well, no, that's what a defeated army does. Uh, that's not Christianity. Now, the, the results of hearing about the cross can lead me to surrender. But we dare not put the cart before the horse and talk about what we are to do. You know, it's so interesting to me, Eric, as you and I have ministered together over the years, we have seen that when people truly come to put faith in the message of good news, the message of Christ crucified for them, they begin doing they, it's almost like they don't even think about it. It's almost like an re automatic response where they, they begin to share their faith. They begin to live a good life. They begin to repent and to, and to find a new life and to dedicate their life to God and surrender all to him and you know all, all these things because their heart has been circumcised. They've been cut. They've been wrecked and remade. Uh, and, and, you know, Eric, this is, like you said, where all the power is, and I long for the church as a whole to begin having and proclaiming with one voice, one message, a message that's taught from Genesis to Revelation in every book of the Bible, and I long for that to happen. I know you do as well. Um, Eric, as we come to chapter six of your book, uh, we've if you're just joining us today, uh, we've gone through the previous five uh, chapters of Eric's book. This is the sixth one. We're talking about how to have your heart circumcised, how to be a believer in Christ, a follower. And you use an Old Testament illustration here. And I thought we'd just read that together, Eric, so that people can hear this illustration and uh, so have you got that there? We can begin with the scripture. Oh, sure. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> this is Joshua 5, 2 through 5. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeth Hereth, Hereloth. Uh, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Right. So they were now going to perform a circumcision of all the kids, in essence. The kids who were born after they'd come out of Israel had not been circumcised. So this was an important event that was about to happen. <clears throat> Verses 8 and 9 says, When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. So Eric, here all these kids were not circumcised. So they made this, uh, they made this commandment. In, in other words, what they're doing is following the Lord's word. He had said that all who would be my followers, all who would be my people must be circumcised. And these kids weren't. And so they set aside a time and they... They went and circumcised all the kids that were born in the wilderness, and they called the name of the place Gilgal, and what had happened is, God says, today, that is, through your circumcision, I have rolled away the reproach, the shame, the disgrace of Egypt from you. Mm -hmm. Eric, this is packed full of meaning for us. This is an illustration. It actually happened. It was in the Old Testament, but it's designed to illustrate some points for us. What, what are some of those points as you begin to discuss them here in your book? Well, we, <clears throat> what we see is that uh, there's, a, there's a cutting away. There's an obeying, like you said, of the command to be circumcised on the eighth day. Um, there is a rolling away of the disgrace. There is uh, you know, the cutting and the discarding, the obeying. And, and, and the reason this is here is because we wanted to illustrate what, what was in chapter five uh, of the circumcision of our hearts. And that's where we're going with this teaching today. And, um, and so it's just amazing to see that there's a, there's a cutting, there's a healing. And today, <laughs> today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. That is their identity, their identity with uh, their identity and disgrace being slaves in Egypt. And, and, and what a powerful, like you said, what a powerful illustration this is uh, coming from uh, chapter five and the circumcision of our hearts, how God is showing us in an illustration here in the book of Joshua. Yeah, you know, here's this hill of flesh. Uh, you could see hundreds of foreskins, the flesh cut, cut off, and it's, it's this large hill. And if the people really wondered whether they were uh, children of the Lord or not, 
just turn and look at that hill hmm. because there you see your past identity is, is dead. There it's cut off and removed from you. This is one of the problems, Eric, that I had for so long and that we see lots of people have is I'm, I'm still associated with my past. I, I feel like that's still me, like uh, I'm still guilty or somehow involved or still part of that past. But no, look at the hill of Calvary and see that your past has been cut off. Look at the hill where your flesh died, where the old nature was circumcised. This is your identity as a sin slave that has been cut off from you and removed from you. So you are no longer that. That's dead on a hill. Uh, and and this, this is why I love that word rolled away. In fact, the word Gilgal gets its meaning, its, its name from these words rolled away, Gilgal, to roll, to roll away, um, because it is what happened to your sin and my sin on the cross. It was rolled away. It was cut off and rolled away, discarded. Uh, these are all terms where if you want to grow in your faith, you have to understand that your past identity is cut off, removed, crucified, and buried. It's gone from you. I love that, Mike. Uh, that's just, <laughs> I'm celebrating and worshiping in my heart because as you're speaking, because this is the message that I needed to hear today. Uh, this is the message that I needed to hear many, many years ago, brother, as I was enslaved to sin. Uh, you know, I read the scriptures. I, I, I believed them. <laughs> But, but, I, but I wasn't receiving power because I wasn't looking at the hill, as you were describing it, the hill of the flesh being cut off. I wasn't looking at the hill of Calvary. I wasn't seeing, um, you know, I was believing lies. And there's many maybe that are believing lies today. But we want to draw you into the hill to see that your, your flesh was cut off with Christ on the hill. And um, that's your old identity now. You don't have anything to do with your old identity. Like Mike said, it was buried in a tomb. And it's not going to rise. Only you rise to new life, free from the disgrace of the old life and sin slavery and all the things that we've done in the darkness and all the, the sin entrapments that we've been chained up by. It is over. And that's why Jesus said it is finished. It's finished on that hill. And so look with Mike and I and believe it over and over again, not just once. Are you discouraged today? Look at the cross. Look at this hill. See that your flesh is cut off and you are brought in. Uh, this is just an incredible love that we have at the cross. And it doesn't get old looking at it. In fact, it renews day by day. Every single day that we look at the cross, we're renewed and refreshed and washed and cleansed again at this powerful hill, as we'll see in a moment. Um, it's just, there's just no other message that does it, Mike. That is so true. And this message does it in spades and it does it over and over again and again. Um, it's doing it to me right now. And the reason is I pictured some of these ex-slaves 
um, feeling like they still had their old identity because, you know, my dad was a slave. Maybe their grandpa was 400 years in slavery, maybe as far back as they can remember. Everybody they knew was a slave. Uh, and they themselves were enslaved. Now, they actually had been born in the wilderness, but their whole past identity and heritage and DNA is that of slavery. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be so ingrained in them that it was part of who they were, that they believed themselves to be slaves. But all they had to do, Eric, like you just said, was to turn and look at the hill, see their flesh cut off, see that that old past identity had been cut off and Gilgaled away, rolled away at Gilgal. And Eric, as we, as we come to this word Gilgal, it's a very interesting word, isn't it? Gilgal. I wonder why God chose the word Gilgal. Of course, it means to roll away and there their shame and repro reproach and past identity and everything was roll, cut off and rolled away. So Gilgal but it's just an interesting word because in scripture, names always have meaning. And of course, we always, we know that uh, everything in the Old Testament pointed forward like an arrow. Uh, so why is this word Gilgal so important? <clears throat> well, everything that we've talked about so far is so important, like you said, and everything has meaning. And, uh, you know, the, the word Gilgal, like you said, means to roll away or to, or um, roll away. And, and the Hebrew word Gilgal has a New Testament counterpart. You ready for it, Mike? I'm, I'm ready. The words Golgotha. Now that's amazing. Like you said, uh, it's pointing forward like an arrow to the cross, to Calvary, to Golgotha. So Mike, that's just incredible. Like you said, Everything has meaning in the Old Testament, pointing like a laser or like an arrow to the cross. Uh, and, and friends, just come with us on this journey. We, we hope you're joining us. We hope you're looking. We hope you're receiving and, and looking over and over again, uh, because this was something that I had not done. I was working or, um, you know, trying to do it on my own. And all I had to do was go to the Old Testament Gilgal to be cut off, or the New Testament Golgotha, and see that the disgrace, the rolling away, the cutting off was all in Christ, all at the cross, all at the hill of Calvary, uh, where Jesus poured out his blood and surrendered his life and breathed his last breath so that we could live, Mike. Hallelujah. <laughs> I think of John 19, 16 uh, to 18, it says, So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. <laughs> there they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Place of the skull, uh, a skull is a dead head. And Jesus, the head of the church, the head of every man, Jesus, the head, was crucified on the place of the dead head, the empty head. Jesus emptied himself for us at Golgotha, which is the Old Testament Gilgal, meaning that's the place where the disgrace, the reproach, the shame, the sin was all cut off and rolled away. 
Now, this is the place where you can be free from your past. It's the place where you find newness of life, where as you come and you look at the hill, the, the cross where Jesus is there and surrounded by two thieves, and you look up at that place of the skull, what you're seeing is your own sin dying. You're seeing your past being cut off from you and discarded. You're seeing your, your identity as a sin slave dying. You're seeing your past wrecked and you're seeing yourself made new all at the cross. Mm. Forgiveness is proclaimed to you. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And we are proclaiming to you the good news that you are forgiven of all sin through the death of Jesus. And not only that, but your entire past identity as a sin slave has been cut off of you and removed from you. Mm. Um, Eric, I needed to hear that years ago. I kept carrying it around with me. I kept feeling like I was guilty, like I was uh, this horrible sinner. And I was, oh my goodness, I was a horrible sinner and I still am, but it's no longer my identity and it's, I'm no longer in bondage or enslaved or, you know, a sin slave. These people had come out of Egypt. They were not slaves any longer, but they needed to have something happen in order to know that it had been cut off. And so they were circumcised mm. and that way they could look at that hill and see, oh, there's my past, there's my reproach, there's my shame, there's my guilt, there's my identity as a slave, all right there at the hill. Isn't that what you and I say today? Oh, yes, we do, brother. And, and the reason is, is because this, this is a cutting away on the inside. Uh, this is cutting at our hearts. Uh, this is renewing the inner man that nothing else can get to. Uh, you can take a bath and get cleansed on the outside, but be clean on the outside. But how can you get clean on the inside? This is exactly how, how to do it. You go to the hill and you see that Jesus was cut apart, pierced, uh, pressed upon him, him uh, his head with a thorn of crowns, with a crown of thorns. And his hands were pierced, his feet, his side. And what he's putting... He's putting sin to death for us. So, Mike, by faith we come. Only by faith we look. Only by faith we see. Uh, this is our identity. Sin is gone. Um, and so we're able to live. And like you said earlier, we're able to do. Why? Because now the spirit that he's given us propels us. Um, we see that Jesus has taken everything from us placed it upon himself, freed us. And, and, and so now we want to live for him. Do we still sin? Yes, but that's not our identity. And we've been actually changed and we're being transformed. Something's happened, Mike. We've died and we've been raised new. Um, and, you know, we won't be completely uh, be removed from this body of death until Jesus comes to give us a glorified body. But there's power to live this new life. There's power as we look at the cross and see over and over. And this is why sometimes uh, people will say, well, what do I do? I, I know that message. I've heard it before. I'm already saved. But tell me now, what do I do now? In fact, a brother 
just messaged me last night. Um, and after I gave him the message of the cross, he says, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> and what do you think I told him, Mike? I said, look again, friend. Look again and see your death and your life, your new life at the cross. Look there. Believe with faith again. Just see all the love that God has for you. See how you've been freed from your identity, your old past. It's all gone. That's why Paul said, one thing I do is I forget. I forget all those dead bones behind me. I forget my dead life behind me, everything that lies behind. I'm forgetting about that. And I'm going, moving forward to the life that saves me, to the one who cleanses me, uh, to the one who loves me, to the one who forgave me, and to the one who said it is finished on the hill of Golgotha. Amen. You know, I think it's really important to discuss what you just talked about with your friend, because it is true. So many people say, and I did, I, we, I think we all have, but yes, but what do I do? Um, yes, I know he died. Jesus died on the cross. I've known that, believed that for years, but what do I do? Uh, and these are legitimate questions. These need to, this needs to be discussed. And it's those very questions, Eric, that has led the church to develop other things, to point to other things, other um, things to do. You know, the development of 12-step groups is because people want to know, yes, but what do I do? And so these uh, other teachings come along to answer that question. The problem with it is, and this is what we were talking about in Marco Polo last week, if you look at the Passover lamb where God said, put to death a lamb and put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintels. <clears throat> and, you know, when the angel sees the blood, it will pass over you. And the angel would come by night. Well, everybody knows you can't see blood at night. So what you need to do is take neon red paint up to your roof and spread it all on that roof. So now when the angel passes by, it'll see that blood red everywhere. What does that do? It diminishes the blood. It takes away from the slain lamb, which is your only protection. And by the way, that blood of the lamb would be slain and they were to eat it. What should I do? They were to feed on it. Mm -hmm. And so we are to come to the cross and look up and see it as a table set before us. See it as a feast, the cross. I can feast on my own forgiveness. I can, I can eat the lamb of God and take into me my own justification through Jesus' condemnation. Mm. I feed on this. And Eric, Exodus 12 about the Passover says, when you feed on that lamb, have your staff in your hand, have your sandals on your feet, you better be ready to leave slavery. <laughs> Because when you feed on the lamb, away you go, out of slavery. The lamb died. You are saved by it, and you are set free by it. But we don't add to it. And so we don't go up and paint red neon paint. We don't add our own efforts. We don't add anything but faith. Because look, Eric, look what happens. 
if I turn and look at the cross, I mean, really look, my heart is filled. It's first cut because I can't believe my sin was so bad. It required capital punishment of the only innocent person who ever lived. And it put him to death and it hurts me. And I'm just thrown to the ground because I can't believe how bad I really was. But then I look again and I see him and I hear him saying, Father, forgive him. He didn't know what he was doing. And I'm like, oh, Jesus is dying to forgive me. He's dying to make me right with God. He's taken my sins away from me. Oh, look there. He has received all of God's wrath and all of my punishment. Eric, he's taken your sin and your punishment and your condemnation on himself. And if you really look there, your heart begins to experience a love that is supernatural. And it's this love I wish that everybody could see and feel and experience and live in. And if you don't really know it and experience it, you just haven't looked long enough. If you think you're still your old self, and how can it be that I've died because here I am still alive? You haven't looked. You, you haven't had the eyes of your heart open to look at the cross and believe that's me dying there in God's eyes. And, and this is the good news that I don't pay for my sins because Jesus did. That I'm not condemned because Jesus was that I will live forever because Jesus died. And it begins to do something. You begin to experience something. You begin to have this power in you that raises you up. It pulls you out of sin, just like the wood pulled up the ax head that was sunk and lost in the mucky mire. Throw the wood in and the wood was pulled up the... Uh, the axe head, and it was a miracle. This is what happens, Eric. Eric, it's this miracle. <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting these notifications. Um, and so this is what we want for people, isn't it? Eric, as you look at this, um, this cross that we've been talking about, what do you see in, like in Colossians 2.11? Mike, that was so powerful, brother. I would, that was my favorite sermon of this week. <laughs> I'm so glad that you were just bringing us over and over to the cross. And I just so appreciate that because our desire, uh, we're of one heart and mind, because our desire is that the church rediscovers the power of the cross. Instead of sending people away, like you said, um, to answer the question, um, the church has the answer. Uh, the church has the antidote. And, 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 and like you said, you, you, wanted, you pointed back to Colossians 2.11. In him, in him, in Jesus Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. You see, what, what is the church doing by sending out to those with human hands for help? It says here that they can't help. 
There's nothing and no one other than Christ that can help. In other words, we can go listen to somebody. We can go listen to a 12-step. We can go listen to a counselor. But if they don't have the message without hands, in other words, the message of the cross that circumcises us in our hearts, the cutting away of sinful flesh. It says your whole self used to be ruled by the flesh, but at the cross, it was cut off. So you're no longer ruled by the flesh. Like Mike was saying, this, this is the power of the cross to put to death, to remove, to change your identity, to free you from slavery. And you must look to the cross over and over again. Um, it is a circumcision not done by human hands. In other words, it's a spiritual miracle. The cross is a spiritual miracle where the beloved son of God laid down his life, was pummeled to death. Now, why did he have to be pummeled to death? Because he was paying our sin debt. He was cutting off and putting to death and trampling upon all the sin of the world. All the flesh that was ruled by it was pummeled to death in Christ's body for us. And like you said, Mike, when we look to the cross over and over, it affects us again and again. And if we're not being affected, we haven't looked long enough. Or we're placing our faith elsewhere. And, and we don't want people to do this. We want the church. And it, in particular, we really want pastors to rediscover the power of the cross so that they can teach and preach from the pulpit this message, this message of hope and healing and cutting away and new identity. And, and we go there over and over again for every issue and every problem and every hurt and every pain. We still comfort one another, but this is how we do it, brother. You and I have been comforted and lifted up again because we are bound together in the body of Christ at the cross. We're united and anchored there. And, and our hearts are joined as one. And, and this is what gives us a love for others. Forgiveness extended as forgiveness that we know we did not deserve nor earn by any merit of our own. It was all there at the cross through Jesus's wages for us. He earned it for us. He put it to death for us. And he signed it in blood, finished, canceled. Your sin debt, your mountain of sin, finished. Well, if that doesn't stoke your fire, <laughs> that's that just grounds for worship. And you know, Eric, as you were talking, I thought about how different this message is from the world's method, message. And this is how you know it's divine how you know it's from God, because man's message always has to put do with man and what he needs to do, with man getting the credit, with man, you know, stepping up and, and going to live a godly life now, and I'm going to make these changes, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's man's message, and, and this is, is the same in all religions, 
and in all 12 step groups and in all of man's, whatever man has invented. Man has decided to make man the uh, method of change and make man the hero in that change. After all, you ruined it, but now you can redeem it. Well, no, this is man's way. Um, God's way is to hang his son up in broad daylight between heaven and earth, uh, coming between God and man, and then cover him in darkness, putting all our sin on him, and calling us to look, mm. just like the Israelites who were bitten in the wilderness by snakes. And what was the solution? There, well, the solution was to look. Look, there's a pole that has been lifted up, and you turn and look at it, and you'll live. No, what do I do? Yeah. Well, I'm telling you what to do. Turn and look. Well, I, I get that. I, I've looked, I glanced at it. What, what do I do? Okay, this is God's message. And, and it's so different, isn't it, Eric, from man's message. Uh, man's got at least 12 things for you to do. And depending on which religion you are, it might be a whole bunch more than that, 600 some. Just <laughs> do this and do that. But we are told, John the Baptist said it really well, very succinctly. Behold. What does that mean? Look, mm -hmm. the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. As, as you look at the cross, Eric, you see a lamb bleeding out. It's a sacrificial lamb. It's an atoning lamb. A lamb that was given to make amends for all our sin. And you look. Uh, and so it's important to distinguish man's method which has always got you doing something, but it's always a false hope because you can do all 12 of those steps. You can do everything that man tells you to do and find that you are still in bondage. But Eric, for one look at the cross, there is life and freedom and joy and love and power for one look. <laughs> Amen, brother. And I, I love that because then we have spiritual power, don't we? Living on the inside and we're able to live out our identity in Christ. And, and then we're doing something, but it's not in our own strength or power. It is because the, we've been compelled as we look at the cross, we're compelled to share this good news with others. We're experiencing power we're experiencing a freedom from the power of sin and a freedom to live out our new identity found at the cross. And, and, and it's just incredible, Mike. That's why we desire to preach this good news to everyone that'll listen. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and we want one more heart. We look for one more heart to be cut one more life to be transformed, one more marriage, one more pastor, one more church member, whatever it is, whoever it is, we desire, and we hear it, don't we, Mike? We do hear it. They say, I, I didn't understand. I heard the cross, the cross, the cross, and I, I wasn't getting it. But many times, halfway through setting captives free courses, or in the, in, at the end, in their testimony, they're rejoicing, aren't they, Mike? They see, they've believed, they're receiving. And Mike, they can't help but to speak it out. 
they can't help to speak out the joy that they've received. They can't help to speak out their new identity. They're no longer talking about their past and how awful they used to be, although they might bring it up for comparison to show the astonishing love that they've received at the cross. But their identity and their focus is now on him who laid down his life for them, who, who bled out to draw them in. And they are drinking and feasting. And it is so evident that the joy that they're now experiencing at the cross has changed their life. It's, uh, we don't have to convince anybody, do we, Mike? It, it, as far as when you hear somebody rejoicing in the cross and rejoicing in their new life, it is really evident that they are experiencing the power of the cross. Amen. Eric, with that, let's bring this half of Lesson 6 to a close. And next week, we will discuss the following, the second half of Lesson 6. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.